Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thanks for joining me for today's episode. I wanted to take the time today to review seven of my biggest financial mistakes and the lessons that I have learned from them over the years, and that I'm hoping that you can learn as well from them. I've certainly mentioned most of these mistakes in past episodes, but they are consolidated here for you today. If you are like me, you have made a lot of mistakes in your lifetime. Mistakes can make you feel down or even dumb at times, but they are usually growth experiences. No one lives their life without some type of failure or mistakes. And the reasons why I want to share some of these biggest financial mistakes that I've made over the years boil down to a few different things. The first is to normalize. Even though I write and podcast about financial independence, that doesn't mean that I've been some type of financial role model to aspire to be like over the years. Instead, like many of you, I've made many mistakes, which is completely normal. I then use the knowledge that I gained from other blogs, podcasts, books, etc., to start sharing with other PAs and healthcare workers about the information that I've learned. The next reason is to teach. So there are many lessons to be learned from my mistakes, and I hope that reviewing them can help you make fewer mistakes than I did. And finally, to encourage. I hope that this information will encourage you to take actionable steps that you need to take to set yourself up for financial independence, where work is optional in your future. So let's dive in. Mistake number one was working with a financial advisor who promoted whole life insurance as an investment. Unfortunately, this was one of my husband's and my biggest financial mistakes for a multitude of reasons. Back during PA school, I had a rotation with a PA who talked about how she was meeting with her financial advisor. I thought this sounded like a very responsible and adult thing to do, especially since my fiance at the time and I were about to get married and neither of us were very financially literate. Before meeting with him, I was planning on coming up with a plan to aggressively pay back my student loan debt, but we were instead convinced to not be in such a rush to do so. He stated that we could get some tax breaks with the student loan payments. However, he failed to mention that this only works up to a certain taxable income threshold. So we were able to do that in the early years, but once my income grew with practicing as a PA, we were no longer able to do that. We were also encouraged to use our income to purchase whole life insurance for us to use as a quote investment. This is poor financial advice for a variety of reasons. Most people need life insurance, but level term life insurance is the best option for most people. Mixing life insurance with investing usually is not a good idea as it is not a great investment. He was not encouraging me to get rid of my six-figure student loan debt quickly. 
And he was not encouraging me or my husband to invest more money in our tax advantage retirement accounts, such as my 401k through my work, or for us to open Roth IRAs. He was also not encouraging us to consider getting a high deductible healthcare plan if that would be a good option for us to save and invest within an HSA. Ultimately, he was not a fiduciary acting in our best interest, but rather a salesman paid on commission. He earned money from selling us whole life insurance product that we didn't need, and we ultimately lost out on about five years of increasing our net worth in an optimized way. If you are considering getting help from a financial professional, consider finding one who is a fiduciary in all aspects, is fee only, meaning that you pay them a set dollar amount and they don't get any commissions or percentage of your investments, and likely who is also a CFP. You can go back and take a listen to episode 91 where I interview a CFP and we talk a bit about this. And in the episode and also in the show notes, we review how you can find a flat fee fiduciary financial professional to work with if that's something that you're interested in. So the lesson learned from this financial mistake was to buy term life insurance and avoid financial advisors who really are not fiduciary in all aspects. My second financial mistake that I briefly touched on already is not having a plan to aggressively pay back my student loan debt. Since we started working with a financial advisor right after I was done with PA school and right before we got married, We followed his poor financial advice and made the minimum payments on my student loans for many years after they were refinanced for a lower interest rate. Don't be like me. Tackle those student loans aggressively to free up more money for your future. Live frugally for another two to five years after you're done with grad school. Your future self will thank you. The lesson learned here is to make a plan to pay back your debt quickly. My third biggest financial mistake was not preventing lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep is the notion that the more money you make, the more money you spend. For my first job out of PA school in 2014, I earned a salary of roughly $85,000. This felt like I was making absolute bank after working as a CNA and a PCA prior to PA school. Well, what do most people do when they start making more money than they're used to? They start spending more. We got married a couple of months after I graduated from PA school and started working. We had several expenses, including a wedding. Thankfully, I felt like we were pretty frugal overall with the wedding and spent around $10,000, but still I'm sure there were multiple corners we could have cut to help lower the expenses. We then went on a super fun and lovely, albeit somewhat expensive, honeymoon to Hawaii. We purchased or took out more loans to cover different toys that my husband wanted. We went out to different restaurants a few times per week and ate out pretty frequently. We eventually leased a brand new car, which we'll discuss a little bit more in a moment. These habits don't really look like they belong to someone who is over six figures in student loan debt, do they? Thankfully, we learned about financial independence five years into working as a PA for myself. This helped us to prioritize our spending and save and invest more for our futures. However, it also taught us about value spending, which is spending on the things that you truly value in life while cutting back on the things that you don't. So now when we buy luxury items, we take in consideration if this is something we truly value. The lesson learned here is to prevent lifestyle creep and live like a student for another two to five years out of school. The fourth financial mistake that I made was leasing a car. Throughout undergrad and PA school, and for a few years after PA school even, I drove a used car for about another nine years once I received it. It was a very basic Hyundai Elantra model that my mom was actually kind enough to buy for me many years ago. I'm highly biased, but she truly is one of the best moms out there. 
Then a few years after practicing as a PA, my husband and I decided that it was time to upgrade our car. Due to a few different reasons, we decided to look at a larger vehicle that could tow things if needed. So we decided to look at SUVs. We also decided to lease the vehicle because he had leased a truck in the past and convinced me it was a good thing to do because you got lower payments and you could give the car a trial run for a few years to decide if we should keep it or not. Now keep in mind that any newer SUV would seem both bigger and nicer compared to the little car that I had. However, after looking at cars and test driving them, my husband was convinced that we needed a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee with all of the features, which was about $200 per month more than the basic model that I would have been completely satisfied with driving. Some of the features of this car that it had were heated leather seats, a heated steering wheel, which admittedly I do miss during our freezing cold Minnesota winters, a remote start, a large sunroof, a really nice radio, a Hemi engine, and get this, it could both parallel park and 90 degree back itself into parking spots. I'm pretty sure we never used those parking features in all the time that we had it. In case you couldn't tell, he is the spender in our relationship while I am the saver. However, at the time I was convinced that since I worked hard and quote deserve it, sure I could get any fancy model and be completely fine with the large payments. Our monthly payment was a whopping $680 per month for 39 months. That's a total of $26,520. And that doesn't even take into consideration the opportunity cost if we would have invested some of that money instead over the course of several years. Nowadays, I drive a vehicle that we paid $5,000 in cash for, and it used to be owned by my husband's great uncle and aunt who took meticulously good care of it. I'm completely satisfied driving this older vehicle around, especially since it has no monthly payment associated with it. So the lesson learned here is to pay for a reasonably priced, probably a used car in cash. My fifth biggest financial mistake was taking too long to build up an emergency fund. Because of our poor financial advice early in my career, as well as our lifestyle creep, we did not prioritize building an emergency fund early in our marriage. This often meant that we were actually living pretty much paycheck to paycheck. According to a CNBC article, as of October 2022, 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and this includes 49% of six-figure earners. So what do they do when they have a financial emergency, such as mechanical problems with their car, a medical emergency, or even a job loss? They could go further into debt or forced to downsize their home or sell things that they would rather keep. Although there are so many areas to spend your flashy new income on, take the time and discipline to build an emergency fund. And this should be at least three to six months worth of your monthly expenses. Although some people feel more comfortable with a little bit more than that, like nine months, 12 months, or even 24 months if you want to be really conservative. So the lesson learned here is to build a solid emergency fund as soon as you can. My sixth financial mistake is not investing more money earlier in my life. Again, due to our ignorance and lifestyle creep, we weren't aware of the importance of investing early on. When you invest early and often, the interest you earn on the investments grows by compounding over time. Compound interest needs time to work its magic. If I could turn back the clock, I'd go way back to when I was a teenager and ask my mom to open a custodial Roth IRA for me to start investing some of my money that I had earned as a soccer ref, volleyball ref, and babysitter. I think the feeling of regret is very common to have when you start learning about personal finance and becoming financially literate. 
but no one has a time machine, so we can only move forward and make better choices once we learn how. So the lesson learned here is to invest as much as you can, as early and frequently as you can throughout your life. And our seventh biggest financial mistake is not cutting the cord and switching cell phone plans sooner. We used to have cable followed by satellite to watch TV, and we used to have one of the major cell phone service providers. We were spending a fortune on these monthly bills. We eventually switched to Hulu using a Roku player and have access to way too many shows and movies at a fraction of the price. One of my hesitations for switching was that I enjoy watching Minnesota Vikings football games, whether they're live or if I come home later in the day after church, I like to be able to watch them from the beginning, so to try to find a recorded option for that. Admittedly, it is hard to be a Vikings fan. If you know, you know. Although this year, once again, hopes are up. We'll see what happens. But I want to point out that there are affordable ways to watch even live sports games without the need of having cable or satellite. We also switched our cell phone plan over to Mint Mobile, and Mint runs off of the T-Mobile network. This is so incredibly affordable compared to what we used to pay. We brought over our paid off cell phones to Mint Mobile and then went through the process of converting the coverage over to Mint. On Mint's website, you can search your area code to see if they have coverage where you are. Or if you already have T-Mobile, then the coverage should be relatively the same. The only slight downside that we note when we have coverage with Mint is that if we are way up north in the middle of nowhere, ice fishing in the middle of the lake, we usually won't have service. But often we'll be with a family member or sometimes a friend who has a different plan and they will have coverage if absolutely needed. And since we've had Mint over the past few years, the coverage has actually seemed to improve because we used to not really have it up at the cabin either. And now the coverage is better up there. If you're interested in trying out Mint, I'll include a referral link in the show notes where you can get a credit for signing up with them. There are several other more affordable cell phone plans out there, so feel free to research and explore which option may be the best one for you. The lesson learned here was ditch the cable and expensive cell phone plan. So this list of financial mistakes that my husband and I both have made certainly was not all-inclusive. However, I hope that you were able to learn some lessons and helpful information from hearing our stories so that you can take the steps needed to help set yourself up for financial success on the way to financial independence. As always, thanks for taking the time to take a listen today. And if this episode resonated with you, I'd very much appreciate it if you left a written review about what you enjoyed about it, as well as if you shared the link to this episode so a colleague or friend or family member could take a listen as well. Take care and I'll see you back here next week. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.